Welcome to another edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel. We're without John Adams this week. Hope to have him back next week. But we will forge ahead and take a look at uh, possible bowl opponents for Tennessee, possible bowl destinations for the Vols. Finishing up a 7-5 and five regular season without issue win over Vanderbilt, as we expect. And, and so sitting at 7-5, and five, Tennessee will, will learn their bowl fate on Sunday. Adam, any, any updated leanings toward where you think uh, Tennessee might be headed for a bowl game before we, we start to talk maybe possible op- opponents? Well, I think last time we talked about this was uh, what, two or three weeks ago. I think Liberty was still in play somewhat then in Memphis. Uh, the best best I can tell, I think it's probably down to three bowls, uh, Music City in Nashville, the Gator in Jacksonville, Dukes Mayo in Charlotte. And I think the way that I look at this is there are six bowls that all have supposedly um, are even in the selections. Uh, starting with the Outback at the top, I believe, and then at the bottom, the Liberty of the Texas. If you rank those one through six, again, they're not technically ranked, but you put in your preference for what you want. I would rank them one through six, and I, I believe Tennessee will end up in number two, three, or four of those those six. And number two to me would be the Gator Bowl because it's a Florida Bowl, past the Outback. And then Music City and Dukes Mayo would be three or three and four. I think because Tennessee ended up seven and five, there's a whole lot of six and six teams in this crowded field in the SEC. I think they'll be above those. Uh, the question is, how far do they go? How high do they go? We've still got the SEC championship left, so the college football playoff. Ole Miss will get into an at-large, uh, you would think. Um, and then the Citrus chooses, and the Citrus could take probably Kentucky, but maybe Arkansas, maybe Texas A&M. And so whatever teams are left drop down. And then so th- then you would have the outback and the Tennessee would would kind of be in the mix for those eight win teams and seven win teams to get the Gator or the Music City. I, I, somebody asked me earlier today where I put the percentages. I think it's probably I think the likelihood of Gator is maybe rising a little bit. Um, Music City is still strong there. I don't see Dukes Mayo happening as much because it's a lot of six and six teams. I think somebody else will drop into there, but I'd say 40% Music City, 40% Gator, 20% go to Charlotte. I think yeah, that's, that's I, I, I kind of like it. those. I, I like those numbers. I, I agree with you. It's I think Music City and Gator Bowl are the are the two favorites uh, for Tennessee. I think you know for a while music city bowl has has probably been the the front front runner i think with with tennessee getting to 7 and 5 uh helped by the fact that that auburn is is now at 6 and 6 so they're probably out of the mix for the gator bowl i, I do think tennessee's i agree with you the gator bowl's maybe rising a little bit catching up with with music city i even saw brett Mc, brett mcmurphy who's been doing bowl projections for years and now does them for the action sports network he even had tennessee uh in the outback bowl in his latest projections that feels it feels a little lofty to <laughs> yeah. me. I like you said those six bowls that they talk about. They're all supposedly in the same pool, but as as we all know, know the outback tends to have sort of the top pecking order of of those six. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I think to me, it's as we stand here entering this conference championship weekend, I, I, Tennessee to um, to either the Music City or, or Gator Bowl seems more most likely. Yeah, and I, I saw that one from McMurphy, too. The first thing that popped in my head was, well, yeah, he's usually bats like 900 on these. So the fact that he picked him in the outback caught my attention a little bit. I, yeah, I don't see them going to the outback. Um, but 
for people that I guess we'll hedge your bets here for people that will look at it on Sunday and say, Hey, you guys are way off. It's you have your preferences. The bowls also submit their preferences. And then you have to figure out what's the best matchup. So you may be in what you think is the number two bowl, but your better matchup, the more attractive matchup may be in the number four bowl. And so you end up going to there. There's some jockeying there. Again, Tennessee at seven and five is, is probably going to end up choosing between a couple different possibilities rather than just being sent somewhere. Music City wants Tennessee really, really bad. They want Tennessee or Kentucky. Kentucky's going to be out of reach for them. The Gator could could be attractive in a number of ways. Um, you know, Blake, you and I talked about earlier today. I think your comparison was Tennessee and Texas A&M. A&M has a better record, but they're disappointed. They're falling. Tennessee is rising and excited. So the Bulls also take that into account. Are people going to want to come or are people going to want to move on to the offseason? That gets factored in, too, if you're within maybe a game of each other in terms of record. Yeah, absolutely. If you're a bowl official, um, you know, on paper, I think you'd rather have the eight and four than the seven and five team. But it's a lot more complex than that. You'd rather have the the team, the fan base that's excited about their seven and five team, which I think Tennessee fans are more so than a fan base that's disappointed by eight and four, which I think applies to Texas A&M, which coming into the season had some some college football playoff aspirations. And so I don't see Aggies fans being real fired up. Uh, about one of these pool of six bowl games after after an eight and four season, but you know, looking at at possible opponents now, Adam, because really, regardless of of which bowl Tennessee ends up in, if it's if it's the Outback or Music City, that would have Tennessee playing a Big Ten team. If it's the Gator or the Duke's Mayo, that would have Tennessee playing an ACC team. So it's going to be. Almost, almost certainly, it's going to be an ACC team or a Big Ten team. Between those two, I mean, do you think it's better or worse for Tennessee to play one conference versus the other? How do you how do you look at that as you know opposed ACC versus Big Ten possible opponent for Tennessee? Well, I think it's going to be easy once we find out who Tennessee plays. It's going to be probably easy to figure out what type they're going to play against if you just know the conference. So so I've, I've found seven teams. It's really six, it, but seven if you count Wisconsin, if they get to the Outback again. You and I don't think that's that's likely, but I, I found seven teams that are pretty prevalent in a lot of the bowl projections for Tennessee to play, and I was breaking them down into two groups in terms of what style play they are, and they're very stereotypical. I, I mean... Big Ten teams, Minnesota, Penn State, and then that maybe, but probably not Wisconsin. Well, those are defensive teams. Those are teams that are big and powerful and slow and run the ball and and have high time of possession. They play tremendous defense. They're especially good against the run. Um, those are stereotypical Big Ten teams. And that, that's what we're used to seeing when SEC takes on Big Ten of, hey, the, the athletes in the SEC and they got more speed and Big Ten is, is slow and they're used to playing in the snow. And all these stereotypical teams really are going to make a whole lot of sense um, with these. I mean, Minnesota's uh, number four in the country in total defense. They're also number four in the country at time of possession. So if Tennessee plays in Minnesota, they're going to put their, their up-tempo offense against a really, really good defense. In the time of possession, Tennessee needs like a minute to score. Hmm. Minnesota likes to hold the ball for 10 minutes at a time. 
So you're going to get a clash of, of types with that. You're going to get somewhat similar with Penn State. Penn State's number seven in the country in scoring defense. They're really good against the pass. That's going to be against type uh, with, with Tennessee that likes to throw the ball a whole lot. Um, I mean, even if you go to Wisconsin, they're number one in the country in, uh, in, in, uh, in rush defense. So if you play a Big Ten team, you're really going to get that traditional clash that we love to see in bowl games. And it's going to be even more pronounced in this one because Tennessee, yeah, we've talked about they've been really good on, on they've been better on defense than we thought they would be. But really, this is a team that wants to score 40 points and wants to score fast. And they think what they do best is better than what you do best. Is, is that matchup then good for Tennessee? Do you think this clash of, of contrasting styles fav- would favor the Vols, would favor, you know, advantage offense, advantage tempo, or would a clash against, you know, as you're describing, a more traditional Big Ten team that's that's defense and ball control, is that bad for Tennessee? I think it's easier for fans to maybe get excited about the narrative in those. I think because SEC teams, they root against each other all year. But when bowl season comes around, you see as most SEC fans are counting up the record for for how the SEC did against other conferences, especially the Big Ten. And it's easier to kind of put your flag in the ground and say, this is what we do here. We score a lot of points and we're fun. And you guys don't know how football is played these days. You have this archaic style. And so it's, it's, I think it would be fun. Um, it would be, it would be easier to kind of understand the, that clash. Uh, and for, I mean, for Tennessee, I probably like that matchup better than the second category we're going to go to in a second, because I think what Tennessee does well, I think they would prefer that style. I, I think Josh Heupel feels like, if you put him on the te- on the on the field with a team that's similar in talent, but that just loves to slow it down and loves to play defense, I think he feels like what we do better is better than what you do well, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's a good matchup for for the Vols. Yeah. I, 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 w- I would like to watch that one. I, I agree. I think I think if Tennessee can get in a in a game with a. Um you know, a slug it out defensive team. I, I think that does favor Tennessee because I just, you know, even Georgia, best defense college football has seen in a decade plus, Tennessee scored 17 points against Georgia. Now that's not a lot, but against Georgia, that's like scoring 35 points against somebody else, you know? Um, and, and, and they scored their first drive, if you remember. Right. Uh, Tennessee was up at the end of the first quarter. You translate that to a Minnesota or Penn State, um, there's probably not as much confidence on the other side of the ball. It's probably a little more shocking for that type of team playing Tennessee where Georgia sees that and think, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is what they do. A lot of people do this. Um, we'll, we'll adjust and we'll be better the next three quarters, which they were. I think Minnesota and Penn state, it would seem a little more alien to see that. And you may get more panic and, and maybe Tennessee would dictate the game more than they did in the Georgia game. Okay. So you got, you got this group of, of slug it out, big 10 teams being, being one option, whether that be Wisconsin, Penn State, Minnesota. I haven't even seen maybe a Purdue listed a couple of places. So that's sure. that's that's one pocket of teams. How about the other direction? If if Tennessee heads to let's say the Gator Bowl or the Duke's Mayo and is matched up against an ACC team. Yeah, ACC teams. The ones I've seen the most are Wake Forest, Virginia, North Carolina. This is going to be more stereotypical. Somewhat of ACC even looks more like what we think of the Big 12 the last few years. But this is offense. This is high scoring. This is first team to 40. 
I'll give up points and you give up points and let's see who has the most points at the, at the end of the day. Um, Wake Forest is, is number three in the country in scoring score 43 a game, but they give up about 30. Uh, they're number 11 in the country in passing offense. Virginia is number two in the country in passing offense. They're number three in total offense. Uh, North Carolina is number 10 in the country in total offense. The difference with North Carolina and the others is that they run the ball mostly as opposed to passing. But all three of those teams are teams that are going to give up a lot of points and they're going to score a lot of points. And that's what Tennessee kind of is. Again, Tennessee's defense has been better, but it's not like they're world beaters. And Tennessee will give up give up scores and they want their offense back on the field and they'll score quickly. The difference in the games is that first group of Big Ten teams Whoever dictates the dictates the tempo is going to win that game. The ACC teams, you're probably going to get just a classic shootout, fifty-two to forty-five, and you know the the first group is going to feel probably more like a great early regular season game, like the Penn State Auburn game, where the second group, the ACC teams, is going to feel like those fun bowl games we've seen before where everybody's on Twitter and say, flip the channel over to this game because right. these teams are just going to have a basketball score. So it kind of depends on your tastes. I still like the clash of styles more for Tennessee in the first group because anything can happen in the second group. I mean, if you think Tennessee is the only team around that can score really fast and score a lot, you haven't seen Wake or Virginia, North Carolina. Those are not great teams. Those are six and six type teams, but they do what Tennessee does and do it kind of at the same level. Of some of the names that the possible opponents you've mentioned, to me, what stands out is if I'm Tennessee, and I don't I see if you agree with this. If I'm Tennessee, I actually want to play a name brand because I yes. think you're playing with with house money at this point. Now, I mean, ideally, you want to win your bowl game, right? You don't want to go into the offseason with a loss. However, you know, Tennessee's sitting at seven and five right now. I think fan base is feeling pretty good. After all, it's just year one. Uh, with, with Josh Heupel. So, you know, seven and five, even if they lose, they're seven and six. I think you're still feeling pretty good. So why not take your chances going up against a name brand, say like a Penn State or Wisconsin? To me, those are the two I would want to play if I'm Tennessee, because are they maybe two of the better teams of the bunch that you've mentioned? I, I think maybe they are. So yeah, sure, you're risking a loss. But if you win, then you can go into the offseason and say, hey, in year one, of our new coach, we went eight and five and we beat a name brand Penn state in a bowl game to finish things. I think. And then if you lose, okay, as long as you're competitive, you say, Hey, we took Penn, we gave Penn state all they could, all they could handle. And, and you're one of a new coach to, to me. That's who I want to play. I don't want to risk a loss to Virginia. I'd rather be risking a loss to Penn state with the opportunity to beat a name brand like that. Absolutely agree. Let's look at it this way. What was Josh Hopple's signature win in year one? It's Kentucky, right? So Kentucky yeah, was agree. a top 25 team at the time, and they're probably at the level of top 25 team, but it's Kentucky. Kentucky's maybe better than Penn State, but if you beat Penn State, that seems to mean more, you know, more. I mean, Penn State's seven and five. Wake Wake Forest is about, well, I think they have about the same kind of record. Which would you rather beat? You'd rather beat Penn State 100 times out of 100 than Wake Forest, even though Wake Forest has got a great offense and all that. But if you beat Wake Forest, Okay, it's like beating Duke or Vandy or whoever. Uh, you you you're not paying attention as much to what the team is. You're paying attention to the name. Penn State gives you that name recognition. You would say that would be Josh Hopple's signature win if you beat Penn State. Obviously, Wisconsin would be 
and, and Wisconsin really is a really good team. I mean, Tennessee would be an underdog against Wisconsin. There's, there's no question about that. Penn state would be a little more even, but yeah, I mean, and you're going to, you're seven and five. So you're going to be seven, seven and six at worst. So you're still going to have a winning record. The name, the name recognition matters. The one that I did mention that I have seen a, a few projections is actually a cross pollination of these two groups, which is Clemson. Hmm. There are a couple of scenarios where if Tennessee rises, goes a little higher than their projection, and Clemson goes a little lower than their projection, uh, Tennessee could play uh, Clemson. And that would be one that would be attractive uh, for a number of obvious reasons. But Clemson is the ACC team that actually plays more like a Big Ten team. They are run the ball well, but they're really good on defense. They're really good against the run. They fit what that Big Ten group does, but they're in the ACC, and that's tremendous name recognition. If you go 7-5 and five, and then you beat – you beat Debo Sweeney and Clemson at the end of the year. Uh, Josh Hopple's resume looks even better. That's a funny word to use right now with his resume, but it, it just it just looks so much better. Um, so yeah, so I think what we're probably saying is you you probably want to play a Big Ten team. I, I think for style, and then you also want to do it just because it looks better on paper if you win that game. And and you touched on the team from this group that I absolutely would not want to face if I'm Tennessee in a bowl, and that's Wake Forest for, for a number of reasons. Number one, Wake Forest athletic director is former Vols AD John Curry. You don't want that storyline hovering over, hovering over your bowl game. You don't want to lose to John Curry's athletic department, the guy you ran out of town before he could complete the coaching search in 2017. And then Wake Forest's coach is Dave Clawson former Tennessee offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee fans like seeing Dave Clawson do well out at Wake Forest. You know, they have, they're not rooting against Dave Clawson, Wake Forest, but I don't think you want to face, you know, someone who, who worked for your program final year under, under Philip Fulmer. And now he's thriving at Wake Forest. No, you don't, you don't want that storyline over your head. And then on top of that, I've seen Wake Forest play several times this year. They're, they're a fun team to watch. Sam Hartman, their quarterback is phenomenal. And Wake Forest, you're talking about the record. Wake is actually a sneaky 10 and 2. It's sort of like you were alluding to, you know, if you just think about what's Wake's record, you would guess, if you're not paying that close attention, you'd guess like 7 and 5. So I don't know that you really would get credit in perception for beating a team as good as Wake Forest is or 10 and 2, but I think you get more name recognition, more, more value for beating a Penn State. And, and Wake's offense is every bit as good as Tennessee's. Wake averages over 40 points a game. So that, that's the team that I just, I don't think it's a great matchup for Tennessee. It'd be a lot of fun to watch. It'd be like first to 45 points, first to 50 wins. And I don't think you want to be going up against uh, uh, John Curry's athletic department and, and Dave Clawson's offense and, and uh, risking a, a loss to Wake. Yeah, and that would go so much, I think, to the UT fan Saki because uh, obviously, uh, Curry and Clawson never went head to head in in terms of the hiring of Danny White and Josh Heupel. But if you're a UT fan, you want to leave the the year saying, "Hey, at the start of this year, there was so much turmoil in this program, but hey, we got the right AD because he got the right coach, and man, this turned out great." And then if you lose to former AD, I mean, I don't think people are going to change their mind about about Curry, but if you lose to your former AD. And then a former a former coach, then you start to question. Well, may do we we and we we don't want those guys, but maybe who we got was not 
it wasn't back-to-back home runs like we think. You want to leave this year thinking nobody got a better AD hire in the country than us in 2021, and nobody got a better head coach hire than us. And that would put a little bit of doubt in your mind if you if you lost a wake. You want to feel good, so you want Josh Hopple to win his last game. You want to beat a name program, and that's probably in the Big Ten. You probably want to go to the game, too. So I guess all those things line up. You want to go beat James Franklin in Penn State in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. I think that's how we, we've worked there's, that out there. Yeah, there's your ideal matchup. Huh? I like that. As always, we appreciate you finding us here on the Volunteer State. Uh, if you do not subscribe already, go ahead and click subscribe or follow so you do not miss an episode. And if you like what you hear... We'd appreciate it if you can give us a review. Those ratings and reviews help us get in front of more listeners. Adam, I want to close with this. You mentioned on about how Tennessee fans are feeling pretty good about Josh Heupel's debut. And conversely, Tennessee fans, uh, they, they have some fears creeping up now with, with Oklahoma's coaching vacancy or coaching job opening up on, on Sunday. Lincoln Riley sort of pulled a stunner and uh, took the, the Southern Cal job. He's vacating Oklahoma, has vacated Oklahoma, but not for LSU, for Southern Cal. And there's old Josh Heupel sitting there, the Oklahoma alumnus, Heisman Trophy, runner-up, led the Sooners to the last national championship, longtime offensive coordinator for Bob Stoops, who was ultimately, you know, Bob Stoops fired Josh Heupel. That's, that's how his tenure ended. But as we record this, these things change rapidly. As we record this, the Oklahoma job sits empty. How concerned or unconcerned should Tennessee fans be about the possibility of Oklahoma making a run at Josh Heupel and Josh Heupel saying yes? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, this contingent on what happens between us recording this pod and when this pod is published. As we sit here right now, I I think UT fans shouldn't be terribly concerned. Now, if you fast forward this a little bit, how far down the list does Oklahoma go? You know, I mean, we've we've seen this with with other programs the last few years. Tennessee has obviously done this a number of times where you've got your your one candidate and then your one A and your one B. And once you get down to, about, you know, number five or six on the list, that who you feel the candidate will be changes quite a bit. And you're not as picky anymore. I tend to think Josh Heupel would be a candidate, but he would be further down the list. So the longer this thing is strung out, the more concerned UT fans should be. At the beginning of this, I I don't see it. There's an $8 million buyout, which is an enormous buyout on uh, Heupel's contract because he's only one year in. Um, Oklahoma would have to pay that, you know, so that would give him a little bit of pause there. He's not the sexiest sexiest name on the list, obviously. He would have to want to go there. And this is the school that, yes, this was his alma mater and he had a great career there. But Bob Stoops did fire him as the offensive coordinator there years ago. And, you know, do you want to go back into that situation? I think on top of that, Oklahoma is coming to the SEC. The selling point to a lot of these schools outside the SEC over the past few years, Oklahoma, even some Nebraska, but that hasn't worked out. USC, we've seen that with Lincoln Riley, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, all these schools where you can go to and get to the college football playoff without pl- going through the gauntlet of the SEC. That's what Oklahoma has had for years. Well, once they get into the conference in the SEC, that's gone. So you're going to take on the pressure of Oklahoma that you need to contend for a national title 
but you're probably going to be the coach there when they go into the SEC where, you know, 12 and two, which is what they've mostly been the past few years. It's not as easy. 12 and two is more like, you know, uh, eight and four and then see what happens after that in the SEC. So I think UT fans should keep their eye on it, but don't lose any sleep over it. I will say it's a funny thing that we, we talked earlier about the, how the year started and how the year's ending. You always want to hire a coach that other coaches won't. You want to have enough success that other, I mean, that other teams won't. Mm-hmm. You want to have enough, enough success that another school looks at it and says, man, I wish we could get that guy. Well, Tennessee kind of has that guy a little bit. I know it's his, his alma mater, but when he's put on these lists around the country, nobody's laughing at Josh Heupel would at least be a you know, third or fourth option as the Oklahoma coach. That was not necessarily going to be the case when he was hired. So Tennessee fans need to not feel good about the fact that Oklahoma could take a look at him, but they need to be happy about the fact that that's plausible that he could take that step. It means other other schools are looking at him saying, well, maybe this guy will work out long term. Yeah, I, I still think Oklahoma's a, a, a great job. I think it's it's easily one of the top 15, probably top 10 jobs in, in the country, even with Oklahoma coming into the, the SEC. I think we've, we've seen, when we've seen multiple coaches win at a high level at Oklahoma, I know they're going to be changing conferences, but this is one of the historically great all-time programs. Uh, it's going to be a tougher path to the playoff until the playoff expands to 12 teams. And then once it expands to 12 teams, I think you can, you can probably pencil Oklahoma, Oklahoma into a 12-team playoff most years. So I think it's a, I think it's a great job, but I think what tells me that Oklahoma doesn't have Josh Heupel at the top of the list is the fact that Bob Stoops has been named its interim coach. You know, Oklahoma athletic director, Joe Castiglione, who's considered one of the best ADs in the country. He's been at Oklahoma for the, for a long, long time. He would know the history of, of Josh Heupel and Bob Stoops. He, he was there. He was the AD there when Bob Stoops fired uh, his former player fired his longtime wingman, Josh Heupel, as offensive coordinator. And, and as I understand it, that there, there, there's frosty feelings from Heupel toward Bob Stoops since that firing. You know, if, if Josh Heupel's your guy, you don't make Bob Stoops your interim coach. You tell Bob Stoops, hey, how about you take a month-long vacation to the Caribbean and come back when I got this, when I have the next coach hired and, and we'll let you know who it is and hope you like him. <laughs> you don't bring Bob Stoops into the fold and let him be interim coach and then go after Josh Heupel, whom he fired as his offensive coordinator to sort of kind of save his own skin, as we see coaches do. I don't think Bob Stoops necessarily did anything wrong when if a coach is facing some heat, the you know, the first page of the playbook is to find a coordinator to fire, right? It's just to me, it's just business. Um, but nonetheless. I, I don't think Joe Castiglione brings Bob Stoops closer into the fold uh, and then chases Josh Heupel. That, that would just seem really, really like a rookie move from a guy who's been doing this uh, a long, long time. Yeah, the old uh, the proverbial list in the in the pocket of, you know, of the coaches that you would hire if if he's in the top three. Yeah, you probably don't do that because the, the new coach is going to is, is going to sit down with Bob Stoops. Uh, they, they just are. Um, I mean, you know, there's a there's a handful of guys there uh, and ladies there that would uh, be on the board of trust. Obviously, the AD, where the money is, and then Bob Stoops. And that there's a handful of people you're going to sit down with. Bob Stoops would be in, in the middle of that. And you don't want to start off that meeting with Josh, Bob, Bob, Josh. I know y'all haven't talked in I don't know many many years. Let's, yeah, let's since go ahead and bury the hatchet first. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want to start off with like. 
like that uh, if you're trying to convince a guy to to take the job. So, yeah, I think you're right. But but again, if this goes a while, if this goes for a while, then then UT fans should be a little more concerned. I I, I don't I don't think he's going anywhere. I could eat my words, but it, it we don't know because we don't know how far down the list they'll go. I, I think Oklahoma was reasonably surprised that Lincoln Riley left. So, I mean, I know there have been there have been thoughts out there they may end up at LSU and all that, but so they weren't completely shocked that he left to go somewhere. But I think until it happens at a program like Oklahoma, you're still a little surprised it happens. I don't think it was a situation where they already had the the new guy on the phone on the other line. I think they are going to have to go through a little bit of the process. All right. Well, just in case, Adam, maybe start working on a hot board that that maybe you'll never need. But uh, just Clawson, in case, like, yeah, at, at Wake. Yeah, that's who they're going to get. Go. They're going to call up Curry and say, "Hey, could you, could you lend us your coach?" All right, you got the first name on your hot board that, that uh, for your sake, hopefully, I, I will say that you'll you'll never need to to publish. All right, we will continue to follow Tennessee's uh, bowl uh, future in in the weeks to come. They'll learn their bowl fate on Sunday, and we'll be back next week to take a look at that. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.